I told you. <laughs> great, great song that all of us can relate to. Because there are days that we're on cloud nine and all is well. And there are other days it's just the other side. But in the midst of all of that swinging up and down and in and out, God remains the same. He is the faith, faithful one. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and go to Judges with me, if you will. And I've got several verses that we're going to uh, look at today, so just go to Judges around chapter 13. Uh, we may start off in chapter 16, but today I want to talk to you in week two of our series, Chain Breaker, about a man by the name of Samson. Now, if you've been in church or been around the church much at all, I know that you've heard many messages about this man named Samson. And probably uh, you're not going to hear anything new today, but I pray that the word of God will be effective and efficient in your life today. I've asked the Lord in my prayers to help me to speak efficiently today, to say only what needs to be said in a way that it, it can, can be effective. And then I want his word to be effective. And I know that it will because he, he promised <clears throat> that if you send my word forth, it cannot, will not ever return void unto me, will always accomplish everything that I have sent it forth to do. So we have a great promise today concerning his word. So I want to talk to you about this man by, uh, by the name of Samson. Before we do, let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have given me this great privilege to stand before this congregation all these years now and to serve as their pastor. I love them. I'm, I delight in them. And I thank you for the opportunity once again to speak the word of the Lord over them today. And I pray for them that regardless what they may be going through today in their life, that they will be able to focus their attention and their mind upon the word of God. And that if there are adjustments that need to be made in their life, that they will be willing today to make those adjustments so that they can live in complete and total peace and comfort and victory and know that you are the great deliverer of their life. Now, Lord, as we turn to your word today, let it come alive to us as we receive it into our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I'm sure that most of us look at our lives from time to time and try to determine where we are at this particular time in life, in this season. We kind of analyze where we are. Sometimes, as I've already said, we, we are people of great faith. And then sometimes, even though we may have been people of great faith for many, many years, for whatever reason, circumstances cause us to lose a little bit of the edge in our lives. We stop coming to church. We stop reading our Bible. We stop praying as we should. And before you know it, we find ourselves not at that place where we once were, where we were experiencing great fervor and, and, and fire in our lives and expectation. You know, I remember when I first came here, I just kept drilling into you that we are to expect the best at all times, expect the best at all times. And, 
And I know that I said it so many times that many of you just got tired of hearing it. But at the same time, as the children of God, we should expect the best in every given situation. Because God is always more than able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that is alive and works within us. So why would we expect the worst when God has already told us that we have victory in him? Amen. So we go through these seasons where we kind of analyze and we begin to doubt ourselves And I want to begin by making this statement to you, and it is simply this. And I want you to remember this. Ultimately, eternity will tell your life story. Ultimately, eternity will tell your life story. It doesn't matter where you are right now. You might be struggling right now. Let me say to you, eternity ultimately will tell your story. Don't give up, don't quit, don't step aside, because ultimately, eternity will tell your life story. And as we look at Samson today, I want you to, to, to keep that in mind. Now, as we talk about this, uh, this man named Samson, to, this, uh, Samson today, uh, we, we establish this. that he, First of all, he was a man who started with great promise and favor. And he ended his life with powerful faith. Now you might doubt me at this point because you might remember that it was Samson who kind of got rid of all of the privileges that he was born with. We're going to talk about that. And at the very end, his life was taken in his last Effort, But he was a man who started with a promise of favor and he ended his life with powerful faith. If I can pray anything over you today, I pray that over you, that you will begin your journey with Christ with great favor in the promises of God and that you will be faithful even if you fall, even if you can't make it some days. It doesn't matter that you fall, but it does matter that you get back up again. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about him and how at the very end of his life, he circled back to the God-ordained purpose for his existence. Let's first talk about his exciting future. Judges chapter 13 verses 2 through 5 says, there was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, Be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And then verses 24 and 25 
says, and the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtol. Now, what, if you can just picture this with me for a few moments, we, we just have to respond by saying, wow, what a promise that God has made to this man, Samson. The angel of the Lord appeared to her with a message would, that would not only change her life, but would uh, had the possibility of changing the entire future of Israel. This young man, Samson, had the ability and the calling and the anointing to change the world and his circle of influence. You've heard the old saying uh, that, and, and the description of people that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Have you ever heard that terminology? Uh, it, it, it just, when we say this, we're referring to someone who is born with all the advantages that one could hope for. Usually it meant being born into a powerful or an influential family and, and having more than enough adequate fi financial uh, resources. In other words, someone who is born with a silver spoon in his mouth is a person who has all the advantages and thus is likely to be more successful than anyone else. Have you ever known anyone like that? It just seemed like that they got all the blessing. I know that both of my sisters felt like that when I came along. They looked at me and they said, look how pretty he is and how nice looking he is and look how talented he is. And I'm only kidding. But you know what I'm saying. There are people that you know you can just look at them and you say, if anybody can be successful, it would seem that they would be the people that would be successful. That's what they said about Samson because he had the anointing of the Lord upon him. So surely Samson would fall into this category as someone who had been born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Take, for instance, Gideon. Gideon was also a judge in the Old Testament, but he was at a disadvantage by virtue of the fact that he was the youngest child, and he was raised into an insignificant clan. In other words, no one had ever heard of Gideon or his people. It was not likely that he was going to be able to make a difference. But you know the story. God got a hold of Gideon in his life and started working in his life, and Gideon made a difference in the kingdom of God because of his faith. But then there was a guy named Abimelech. He had the disadvantage of having 70 brothers, each of who were born from his father's wives. But Abimelech was the son of a concubine. So Abimelech had these 70 brothers that could all just kind of waltz around like peacocks and say, my mama was my daddy's wife, but your mother was an outsider. She was a concubine. She wasn't part of the family and had to live his whole life at this disadvantage of having been born outside 
of the family. But even with that, when God gets involved in the situation, listen, he can use anyone. If you can use anyone, God, then you can use a person like Abimelech. And then there was Jephthah. He had an even greater disadvantage because he was born to a mother who was a practicing prostitute. Now, I don't know how that would affect you, but it certainly could have a negative impact on your life. So while all of these were at a disadvantage, Samson couldn't say that he was born at a disadvantage because he was born uh, with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born to a godly family. His birth was announced by a twofold visitation by the very angel of God and he had the spirit of God working within him. The scripture says that when Samson was born, the spirit of God began to stir him and move him in his life. That's not uncommon. You go to the New Testament and we know that John the Baptist, when he was in his mother's womb, uh, when he heard about this man named Jesus, began to kick in her womb uh, because he was moved upon by the Holy Spirit and said, let me out of here. It's time for me to go to work to declare the coming of the Son of God. Let me just stop long enough to tell you now, I'm amazed that this week we found out that the, that, that the government health department, for the first time in many years, went public with the idea that, that life begins at conception. Did you see it in the news? Did you see it in the news? Listen, they're not telling us anything we didn't already know. We know that God begins working in a human being at the moment that they are conceived. And in fact, the reality is that even before they are conceived, God is aware of their existence and brings it to light and brings it together so that they can be effective in the kingdom of God. He spoke to Manoah's wife and said, listen, I know you haven't had any children to this point. You've been barren, but things are about to change in you. What has been barren in you before is going to spring to life and it's going to happen quickly. You're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son. And so your personal responsibility is this. You personally are not to eat or partake of anything from the vine. It means no grapes. It means no grapefruit juice. She couldn't run down to the grocery store and get her some Welch's because it was off limits. No wine to the body because the, the fruit of the vine was forbidden for the Nazarite. So she could not have any of that. And then she was not to eat anything unclean. And she was not to allow any scissors to ever touch the hair of this young man because it was a sign of his commitment to the calling of God upon his life. Can you imagine this woman? We're not even given her name. It's just the wife of Manoah. It's interesting, though, that God didn't speak to Manoah first. God spoke to the woman first uh, and said, this is what I'm going to do. And she went to her husband and said, hey, the angel of the Lord stopped by today and told me uh, that I'm going to conceive and bear a son, and he's going to be a Nazarite unto the Lord. And Manoah said, boy, I, you know, I wish there was some way to confirm that. 
And she said, I believe the angel's going to show up a second time. And he's going to tell you what he's already told me. And sure to her word, the angel came back a second time and declared to Manoah what he had already declared to Manoah's wife. And it happened just like the Lord said that it would. Let me remind you today, if the Lord has spoken about a particular matter in your life, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when it's going to happen, because God will stay true to his promises, amen. God would begin to work through him to begin saving Israel, and the only thing, the only thing that Samson had to do was to remain faithful. You think about it. Man, I, I've always wanted to be successful. I've always wanted to, to, to make sure. I, I've been praying this week, Lord, I, I don't have to have the biggest church in the church of God. And I don't want people coming by and patting me on the back and saying, oh, pastor, you're doing such a good, good job. But I've told the Lord, I cannot be satisfied if I don't feel like that we are operating at the maximum level that you want us to operate at. And when I see these empty chairs, I'm telling you, it irritates me in the spirit. Not at people, but at the work that the enemy is trying to do to divide the body of Christ either with sickness or with attitudes or with whatever the case may be. And I'm telling you, I will not be satisfied with it. And I'm going to pray until the breakthrough that we need uh, comes our way. None of us should be satisfied until we are operating at the maximum operating capacity that God has given us. Amen. Some of you have just settled in for halfway. You've settled in for just a little tiny touch. Listen, I want God to fire us up and send us revival in such a way that we cannot be satisfied until every ounce of our bodies are, are under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. That's all Samson had to do. All he had to do was just be faithful. God had already spoken and he said, if you'll just be faithful, if you'll be faithful to me, I've already decided what I'm going to do through you. And I've already determined what resources that you're going to need. And I'm going to provide that to you so that you can begin to save Israel from the Philistines. Just be faithful. Can I just say to somebody today, just be faithful. Don't give up. Just be faithful. Use everything that you have in your possession to be faithful. And after you're faithful, you'll look back and determine that God helped you to be successful. Amen. Sadly, I'd like to be able to stop there and say that Samson was faithful. He did everything that he was supposed to, be, to do. But Samson was given to enticing failures. He had so much to gain, but his losses were many. You see, success for Samson and success for you is simply a matter of choice. God's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? But we let Life entice us 
to make choices that prevent us from being all that God has called us to be. We hear about Samson in Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. In four short chapters and a simple mention in the Old Testament, that's all we know about this man Samson. But we learn enough about him in this short, special part of Scripture that we understand that he was a man given to failure because he could be enticed by so many things. Listen to this. First of all, he started off by being disrespectful to his parents. You see, the scripture tells us that when he became of the age that it was time for him to start looking for a woman to marry, he got his eyes set on a woman who was not within the nation. She was a Philistine. And so he went to his parents and he said to his parents, I want you to go down and get that woman for me. And his parents said, can't you find somebody in our own nation? Can't you find somebody among your own peers, among your own people? But he would not hear it. He said, I want you to go and I want you to go get this woman for me because right now that's all I care about. I don't care about saving Israel. I don't care about the call upon my life. The only thing I care about right now is doing what pleases my flesh. Go get her and bring her to me. The scripture tells us on another occasion that he's walking out in the countryside and a lion comes out and attacks him and he reach over, reaches over and grabs the mouth of the lion and pulls the lion apart and kills it, throws it, throws it over to the side of the road. Should have laid there and he should have never touched it again. But a couple of days later, here comes Samson coming by and he sees uh, the bees swarming around the carcass. And remember, as a Nazarite, he was forbidden to touch anything that was dead. And he went over to this dead lion and he reached in and saw the honey and he fed himself with the honey that came out of the dead carcass and he took some honey to his parents and he disrespected them as well by causing them to eat of something that was unclean. You see, the only thing he cared about was whether or not he could feed his own hunger and feed his own desire. Never mind that God had called him. Never mind that God had set him apart. Never mind that God had given him everything that he would need to succeed. Never mind any of that. The only thing he was thinking about was the honey in that dead carcass that was forbidden for him, but he did it anyway. And then you remember the woman that he married? He, he, he eventually divorced her and, and uh, put her away and set off a series of events and circumstances that ultimately led to her death and her family's death because he was, he was embarrassed because she had, had told the, the, um, the riddle and the, the, the answer to the riddle that, that he had made at a party. And so she, the scripture says, 
she enticed him to tell her what the answer to the riddle was. And when he told her and, and succumbed to the enticement, then they began to make fun of him. And as a result, he began to slay Philistines and she was ultimately killed in the melee. And so because of his own emotional instability, he created another bad situation. Then he left there and because he loved woman, women, he had a woman, a woman problem. He went into a prostitute in Gaza and there they found out that he was there. And so another situation uh, came about because of Samson's inability to say no to the things that were feeding his flesh. And then finally, we've all heard the story about Delilah and how that he gave himself to Delilah. And she kept saying, tell me the secret of your power. And step by step by step, he began to reveal to her what the secret to his power was until finally he told her, if anyone cuts my hair, then I will be weak as any other man and unable to defend myself. And she went and told the Philistines that his hair had been cut. And when, when they arrived and came, the scripture says that Samson presumed upon the power of God he presumed that what had once been available to him was still available to him. But the scripture says that when he arose and he shook himself and began to come against the Philistines, he did not know that the spirit of the Lord God Almighty had left him. Think about that for a moment. Here's this man that had every reason to believe that he could succeed. And yet at the same time, because of his inability to control his flesh and to control the desires and the enticements of, of this world, he set it all aside. Judges 16, 18 through 27. It says, and when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come up again for he has told me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to tor torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you. Samson and he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza and bound him with, with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, false God, if you will. For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson so that he may come and entertain us. 
So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them and they made him stand between the pillars and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against him. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there and on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Now here's a man who has gone from having a silver spoon in his mouth to a man has no, no ability whatsoever to carry out the things in his life that God had called him to do. He's in a broken state because of his own choices. You see, our choices serve to propel us toward our divine destiny or they will place chains that restrict our advancement. Let me say that again. Do we have that on the screen? Can we put it up there? No? Okay. Our choices serve to propel us toward our divine destiny or they place chains that restrict our advancement. Let me tell you, and you know this, every one of you were born with a divine purpose in your life. And for you to see that purpose come to pass in your life requires your participation. It requires that you make choices that will bring fulfillment in your life and take you step by step into the destiny that God has for you. But if you make choices based on your flesh and on your desires, and boy, I could get into some specific things today, but let me just tell you that it really doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Anytime that you are choosing anything that is contrary to the will of God and the word of God, you are not pursuing your godly destiny. You are pursuing the things of the flesh and it will at some point catch up to you. Let me read verse 21 to you again. It says, And the Philistine seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. We're talking about chain breakers. Before you can experience chain breaking, you must experience the chains. And here he is with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. There's an old time preacher that said it like this. He said, the prison can be a place of blinding, binding, and grinding. Think about that. He was blind because the enemy had physically removed his, his eyes from his body. He, 
they had gouged his eyes out, and so he was blind. He was bound. He was experiencing a binding because of the bronze chains that the enemy put on him, and he was grinding at the mill. What does that mean? Well, at the mill, you've seen pictures of donkeys and mules that were hooked up to these bars, and, and they would just walk all day long, and they would take that, that around in a circle, and, and it would power the grinder. But for Samson, they said, take those donkeys off. Take those mules out of the way and put Samson in their place. And here we see this man who at one time had been stirred and moved by the power of God who was physically grinding at the mill doing a job that only donkeys were supposed to do. And I think to myself, through the years, the numbers of people that I have watched as they have given up on God and given up on themselves. I've heard the testimonies of people who have said, you know, I served the Lord. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. But in my moment of turmoil, God left me by myself. God didn't heal my loved one. God didn't save my children. God didn't do this and God didn't do that. And so if God won't do things the way I think he ought to do them, then I'm not going to serve a God like that. Let me tell you something today. You don't need faith when everything is going your way. You don't need faith when you've got more money than you can use. And you don't need faith when your body is healthy and all is well. You don't need faith when your relationships are going well. You don't need faith when those kinds of things are all beautiful and going well. But you let your life start falling apart. You start getting uh, relationship issues and problems. Let me just stop long enough to say, if you've got a relationship problem in your life right now, the Bible is very clear how you are to resolve that relationship problem. It says that if you feel like that there is someone who has ought against you. You're not just supposed to pray about it in your closet or flip a coin to see whether or not you should do the hard thing. The Bible says you are to go to that individual and that you are make amends with them and to clear it. And the scripture says, if they won't do it, if they won't clear it up, you take two or three with you the second time and say, I've come because I have a desire to resolve this situation with you and I believe that if we'll both be men or women of the spirit that God can help us to relieve uh, this pressure and restore this relationship. Let me tell you something. There's not a thing in the world that you're dealing with in your life that God has not already provided an answer for you and will give you the wisdom. The scripture says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not and he will give it to you. The reason we don't get the wisdom is we simply don't ask. And here he is at the end of his life, this life of promise. He's blind, he is bound, and he is grinding, doing the job of a donkey. Write him off. Come help me quit, Sister Baker. I could preach all day today. I haven't called her Sister Baker in a long time. But 
It would appear to me that Samson was done, wouldn't it you? It would appear to me that we'd be able to say, well, it's over with. He's ruined himself. He's ruined his life. Everything that God called him to do, it's over. It's done. It's gone. But can I tell you that the turn in the story that takes place right here at this point is the most powerful movement in the story because it's where the rubber meets the road. It's whether you either choose to give up on God or to lay back in his arms and say, God, if you don't help me, I'll never be able to make it. But I know that if you'll help me, even now, even here, even in this situation, I can overcome. If you'll just help me. Judges 16, 18 through 20. Then Samson called upon the Lord and said, Oh Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I might be avenged by the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines and he bowed with all of his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it so the dead whom he killed on his death were more than those whom he had killed during his lifetime the man with the silver spoons with all the advantages, with all the resources, because he could not control his flesh. He could not say no to the enticements of this world. Seems that he threw it all away. But in the end, God had mercy upon him. You say, well, how do you know God had mercy? Didn't he die? Yep, he died. That was the final day of his life. He died. He called out to God. He asked God to give him the strength that he needed just one last time. And God strengthened him. And he died in that spot that day. But God had mercy on him. So how do you know? Thanks for asking. Hebrews chapter 11 Verses 32 through 35, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of men like Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith 
conquered kingdoms and enforced justice and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions who quenched the power of fire, who escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, who became mighty in war, who put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by the resurrection. And though some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Samson died that day, but his legacy lived on. Here we are years later, and we're still talking about this man named Samson who was called of God and who God had mercy on in his last day. Aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you glad that God loves us even when we can't love ourselves? Aren't you glad that even in our failures, God looks at us with a steadfast and everlasting love? And He reaches down and He picks us up and He cleans us off. And he restores us in our relationship. Samson's last day was his greatest day because it spoke to the mercy of the God that he served. Let me tell you, some of you have been running from God. Some of you come to this church and every week you have what I call white knuckle syndrome you sit there just like this because you know what the preacher's telling you is truth you know what the word of God is telling you is true and you know that the only way that you're going to be able to activate God's blessings in your life is if you will turn your life over to him and respond to the spirit of God it's not guilt that you're feeling it's not condemnation that you're feeling. Scripture says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but but that the world through him might be saved. He's not here to condemn you today. And he's not here to put you down. He's here to show you mercy. He's here to give you grace. He's here to raise you up and give you new life in him. But it requires your participation. Would you stand with me this morning?